Welcome to the GigaOM podcast. And today we're launching a special mini series uh, podcast on the Internet of Things. What is the Internet of Things? I'm glad you asked. Here to explain it to us is the host of the Internet of Things podcast, our very own Stacy Higginbotham. Stacy, welcome to your own show. I'm so glad I could be here. Thanks for the invite, Chris. Let's start off. What is the Internet of Things? Gosh, we don't know yet. Um, that's part of the why we're doing the podcast. But basically, the idea is that we're adding connectivity, so the ability to get online, to all kinds of devices, from like dog collars to photo frames to alarm clocks. And once we have all of these devices and things that are able to connect to the internet, the idea is we will be able to pull them together and do awesome things. But the act of pulling them together is pretty tough. Um, and nobody quite knows what awesome things are going to happen, but we're all convinced that it's just going to just be like the best thing since sliced bread or maybe even broadband. Well, broadband is enabling all of this, right? And, you know, so this is really new. Uh, you know, we always thought of the internet in terms of connecting people, uh, to other people, but now as connectivity gets smaller and is embedded in more devices, this is really going to become a, a really big area for people. I mean, it's like the a, a sleeping giant almost, right? It is, and like maybe it's it's such an abstract concept for people. I like to think of it really like concretely. I'll give you a super concrete example, um, and that would be with let's let's go with the Fitbit. It's a little device that you wear. Um, it's actually not always connected to the internet. It's, it's just gathering data and then it's got a radio and it can connect to the internet when you plug it in or get it near the little USB dongle on your computer. Um, and what it does is it tracks how many steps you take. It tracks like your activity levels and your sleep. Now, plenty of people are excited just to do that, right? But when you buy like the Fitbit scale, um, then the scale sends its data to Fitbit's backend website and then adds like your weight into that and can track how that changes based on your activity levels. And then you can even go to like another service like Lose It, which is a weight management kind of service. Um, and you can track like what you're eating there. And then all of that calorie data can go into Fitbit's backend. And suddenly you've got like these services all or these these devices and services coming together to basically tell you at any point in time during your day, like, are you on track for meeting your weight goals or your fitness goals? And those are the kind of things that you can do um, even today with this sort of stuff. And it's, it's pretty exciting. And then when you like, if, if I can go like a little bit crazy here, if you attach that with other things, then like maybe your home it's not inconceivable to think that you can um, set goals for yourself on the Fitbit. And if you don't meet them, then maybe like the next day your TV won't turn on during prime time. Um, so suddenly you're like, ah, I didn't make my steps. Now I can't watch TV, which is, <laughs> which is pretty fun um, or, or not fun, but pretty motivational maybe. Yeah, right. And so, you know, this, this series that you're doing, these podcasts, you're going to be talking with people who are out there building these kinds of things. And it's really going to, this stuff is really going to impact our lives, not just in kind of calorie counting, but just, you know, as cars become more connected, as our appliances become more connected. And, and you're going out and finding the people who are kind of making this happen right now. Yes. And like, so I've got a guest on one of my shows who is doing a smart things hub. And that example I gave about like the Fitbit 
and um, your TV not turning on actually came from him. Um, he's, he's got someone who set that up. Um, and aside from, yes, weight loss goals or something kind of more prosaic and individual, there's also like big macro goals like uh, energy consumption and, and being able to manage that more accurately and responsibly through you know connected thermostats or even the smart grid. And there's even things like manufacturing and being able to track defects or inventory. All of those things are going to be happening. And I'm hoping to have people from, you know, Emerson and GE to talk about kind of the industrial internet. So it's fun to think about at the individual level, but it's also something that it can really change the way we interact with the world and, and probably also help us manage our resources better. All right. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a fun time. Who is the first guest and uh, why did you want to talk with them? Sure. I My first guest is Mike Susi. He is the head of sales for a company and a co-founder of a company called MobiPlug out in Colorado. And I like the MobiPlug guys because they're really thinking about how the internet of things is going to come together. So it's one thing to be like, hey, I'm going to put a radio in a dog collar and then you can track your dog, which is cool. But they're thinking about how to bring all of those things together in an interoperable way. So they're building a hub for your home and you'll be able to like program your home easily to do like to dim the lights when you start a movie. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't know what else you would do in that make popcorn. Um, so, so they're kind of trying to do that. And he's, he's just a really articulate guy who can explain some of the cooler things, some of the big issues that they're trying to solve just in trying to connect a consumer's home. Um, and he does it pretty easily. Great. Well, I can tell that you're super excited about this. We're super excited to launch this. It's going to happen uh, for people who like this. Um, it's the Internet of Things podcast is going to be every week, every Thursday it'll come out. So be sure to check your feeds and your, your phones and your downloads uh, and iTunes so you can check Stacy out talking with somebody new each week about the Internet of Things. Uh, and without any further ado, uh, let's get this thing. Wah, wah. Uh, started. Thanks so much, Stacy. Thanks, Chris. Hi, this is Stacy Higginbotham, and I'm here doing the GigaOM Internet of Things podcast. And with me, I've got Mike Susie, who's the head of marketing and sales for MobiPlug. Hi, Mike. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, Stacy. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it today. Yeah, Mike and I had a great talk probably right before CES about MobiPlug and kind of what it was trying to do. And I was really excited and got a lot of ideas after talking to him. So I thought you'd be a great guest for the show. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about what MobiPlug is trying to do? Yeah. Uh, MobiPlug is a startup based in Boulder, Colorado. Um, we were just um, came out of the Techstars program and we were funded by a foundry group here in Boulder as well. Um, our mission is to bring smart smart homes to the masses, essentially. Um, and really what our tenant is, is to essentially unify uh, the smart homes um, using your smartphone. Um, you know, the general premise is that everybody's carrying a smartphone in their pocket today. And because of that, um, there's an expectation to not only control our digital world, you know, Facebook and Twitter and, you know, our communication mediums, but also an expectation to control our physical world. And the Internet of Things has certainly been, um, you know, on the radar for many, many years, but the hype has been mostly there. And it's only been really the last year or so, maybe even two, 
Um, and because of the onset of the smartphone, it's really becoming a reality. So you're finding a lot more device manufacturers, consumers, developers jumping on board. So essentially, MobiPlug is uh, really wanting to bring that to the masses. So, Okay. And let's go into this idea that the Internet of Things is kind of, because you're right, it has been the idea has been around for a long time. Um, why is the smartphone kind of such enabler, such an enabler? You know, I think it's a couple of reasons. The first one is, is that we carry it everywhere we go. We often wake up to it, uh, check email, and we go to sleep with it. Um, the other thing is it's, an, it's a computer. Um, it's a fully functioning computer that is continually uh, and constantly being connected, talking with the cloud, talking to GPS services, um, web services, and it's become the personal medium in which we gain all of our communication and and feed it out. As you can see, you know, PC sales are dropping, you know, um, just because, again, there's less of a need for more um, stationary devices versus the portability that we have. So, and because of that, again, the expectations of what we can do with this device um, as it relates to our surroundings has changed. Sure, and Presumably, I could bring my smartphone many other places, and so that kind of gives rise to the idea that I could control things in my house, and maybe I could control things in my car. Maybe there will be permissions to let me control stuff in my office or school. I don't. I don't know. Kind of. That's that's one of the things I find so interesting about the internet of this concept of the internet of things is that we're it, it could be very vertically integrated by environment. I, that's, a, that, that's it. I mean, it's fascinating if you start thinking of the evolution. Again, it's in the hype curve of where we're going to be one day, you know, the Star Trek age and things just working around us, knowing our proximity. But if you think about the evolution of how that occurs, there's a lot of pieces and parts to it. You need the, both the consumer awareness of what they're doing. You need developers uh, to begin developing APIs that tap into things uh, that are then used by manufacturers to put in, you know, communication um, protocols and languages and w whether it's Wi-Fi chips or blue Bluetooth or, you know, other protocols. So it, there really is a bigger ecosystem that has to work in concert together for it all to occur. And again, I think because the ubiquity of the smartphone over the last really three years or so, um, that's an enabler. It's finally a signal and a flag to the manufacturers of saying, now's the time to begin to invest. And now the developers are coming in. And I think over the last six or eight months, it's amazing to see how many startups are really trying to address um, this issue, especially on Kickstarter. You're seeing some real innovative ideas come out of, of that medium for you know connected devices. And you mentioned something about proximity. And I think um, the next step of evolution is to proactively control these things. So we're certainly starting to see you know, innovations like Nest, um, who's really disrupted a, the, just a general thermostat market um, with an application that you can remotely control your house's temperature or your second home um, and be able to begin to learn your patterns and behaviors. So both um, just your proximity within the home and then being away from it to proactively open up an application and be able um, to control, you know, that comfort level. So we're beginning to see what I would say stage one, which is proactive control using our smartphone. But I think it really gets interesting when you go into stage two and stage three, which is automation around your lifestyle without you having to proactively open up that application. And that's where MobiPlug is really focusing on the future there. Okay. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up Nest and kind of, because that kind of ties into a lot of things that 
and, and the idea of stages, because when I look at something like Nest, I can control it from an app, but I'm not sure as a consumer that I want four or five different apps for all of my connected devices. And so when I look at how Nest, which is selling really well, which a lot of people are like, this is the internet of things. I'm a little concerned because I, I want my internet of things to actually talk to other things. And I want to control it from one app on my phone, um, not from five or six. So I guess, how are you guys trying to kind of bring that, oh, unification, interoperability? I mean, interoperability is such a tech word, whereas consumers just want it to work, you know, but it, it's really important, I think. Well, you're hitting on a major, again, we're at stage one. So the first thing you're going to see is a, a flood of manufactured devices that are that are connected. And each one of those devices will have their own separate applications. So you know, you can look at the Sonos, the Hue, the Nest, Dropcam, you know, Belkin Wemo's got a great solution out there, Yale Locks. But as a consumer, each one of those is a separate application, which again, at stage one is great because it gives you that remote and proactive control. But really, that's not the unified Internet of Things solution. So what we're finding out is within a short period of time here, as more of these manufactured devices hit the market, is really three problems are going to occur. And the first one is there's going to be too many protocols or essentially languages. Uh, these are the wireless languages that each one of these devices uh, talks uh, from the cloud to the device. Mm -hmm. there's, there's over probably probably 20 or 30, but there's probably three main ones, and that can extend to about you know four or five different protocols. And a consumer, we don't really care what protocol. We all, all we know is that we have Wi-Fi and potentially Bluetooth or some others. So there's going to be too many protocols, and that's a prohibitive aspect of this market that's going, to, that's going to stall out. That's why things can't work together, is there's not a solution. And that's actually what MobiPlug is trying to solve, is a unification, regardless of the protocol, we'll be able to do the interoperability between those. So what we're finding is really, again, three problems. It's too many protocols are going to be out there. There's going to be too many singular applications that all of a sudden your screen is going to be filled up with 30 different applications, and you have to then open each one to do certain things. And then there's a the level of complexity. Each one of these may or may not have a bridge or a gateway or something attached to our router where all of a sudden our router is, is being filled up with you know, multiple devices. So, you know, it's interesting. If you just take like a simple example like movie night, let's just say I have, you know, Philips Hue, which is a really cool LED light, Sonos for my music, a Nest, uh, for comfort, Belkin Wemo, for maybe some lights down the hallway, I have an Apple TV and a quick set lock. If I were to hunker down just for movie night, I would have to open up six different applications and control those separately. Let's turn down the hue, turn off my music, cue up the Apple TV, set my temperature a little higher because it's at night, uh, turn off the hallway light and quick set. That's six different application experiences where really there should only be one. And that's kind of what MobiPlug's mission is, is to work with off-the-shelf devices that you love. We're not going to force you down a route like some of the managed service providers like Comcast of saying, I, you have to buy this certain equipment and install it. We're trying to tap into what are you already emotionally engaged with that you love using? What electronic devices are, are you using? And then how do you unify that, as you mentioned, into a single application experience where you hit one button and it's a, a scenario or an event or a recipe that controls all six of those devices in concert of what you want to do for that particular, you know, event of movie night, for instance. 
So then, and, and yes, I totally agree with you. And I hear, I hear this pitch from a lot of companies. So I just wrote a story about, was it Ubi, Ube, um, which is based here in Austin that is kind of doing a, a gateway device for that. There's, there's smart things that is doing a hub to kind of help create this. There's probably, I mean, I, I imagine Wemo, they have their partnership with IFT, you know, mm-hmm. those, there are a lot of people trying to do this. And so then the, the next question obviously is, what does it take? Well, the obvious question is why MobiPlug? But let's, let's take it beyond MobiPlug and let's sure. just say, what will it take for a company to succeed here? And really how many players is, I mean, if it's open ecosystem, is it going to be like Android with room for lots of players? Maybe lower profitability? I don't know. Like where's the value going to be? Well, you know what's great about this particular industry, and because things are happening so fast, and because there's really an ecosystem of many different players, um, both in consumers, device manufacturers, and developers that are attacking this problem in different ways. And we're all planting a stake, and because it's so early, you know, I think there's major points in our lifetime, at least in my lifetime, I'm getting older, unfortunately, I'm in my 40s now, but... You know, if you stop getting older, you'd be dead. So it's, it's yes. okay. But there's been major, major events that have guided and, and shaped society. And, you know, thinking back, I mean, way back in the day, even fax machines when they came in in the 80s, right? It changed the way business was done where you no longer had to, had to wait for mail to, for contracts to be signed. And then there was certainly the internet and the email. Major shift in how we communicate. And because of the speed of communication, we can reinvent way faster you know, mobile is one of those big, big things. And not the ability to make a call, but really the smartphone and the ability to control our both digital and, and physical world. So because of that, it's so early now, and people are recognizing that the, the hype curve has finally tipped the scale. And because of that, like you mentioned, um, because there's so many different players in it, people are planting a stake um, in the ground of here's our strategy and here is how we're approaching the market. And um, so getting back to your key question of what what is it going to be or who's going to be successful at that, I think you have to kind of look at addressing those three um, kind of industry or folks. Well, first of all, it always starts with innovators and early adopters. These are the people that are on Kickstarter, the people that are, you know, enthusiasts, DIYers that are building this stuff in their garage kind of or that have been waiting for this moment to actually occur, that latch onto technology early, which really proves out different models. Nobody knows who's going to win. But I can tell you from our perspective or from my perspective that it has to be easy to use. From the consumer perspective, we can't expect them to understand protocols we can't expect them to open up multiple applications, install multiple devices on routers. It's just, it, that's going to be the big barrier. Unfortunately, there's not a standard out there that's guiding this. And that can be good and bad. A standard means that everybody's writing to us to a, the same protocol or uh, to a set of standards that we could all rally against. But because it's so early, it's the Wild West. And so nobody knows who's going to win, and which is which is awesome. That's where true innovation occurs. Um, but from my perspective, on the consumer side, it has to be dead simple. That means set up an installation. Uh, it just needs to work, you know, and then out of the box. It's a single application experience. And then even how you start thinking of where it's going to go, 
uh, about the devices automatically working around us. Um, again, it just has to come from a simplistic perspective. So, um, but it involves all the eco partners, you know, ecosystem partners, if you will, of developers, manufacturers, and consumers. Okay, and let's take it on a, a little different track because I'm always curious what kind of what kind of setup do you have in your own home or car or office, wherever you have chosen to kind of play with this kind of stuff? What kind of stuff are you doing and seeing and what are you excited about? So what's really cool, I mean, you know, I'm my own. One thing that I love is that I'm part of a company that is solving my own problems, right? And I've been a TiVo one user, version one user since it came out. You know, I'm a tech geek gadget, if you will, or tech um, gadget geek, if you will. Um, so my personal setup, uh, you know, starts with uh, Apple TV and TiVo and mostly around entertainment. And I think that's what I've had over the last few years. Um, since really thinking about the Internet of Things and starting MoviePlug, you know, I have a Sonos, uh, I have a Hue, I have a Dropcam, I have actually Netgear's ViewZone that I use daily uh, when my kids get home to, uh, from school. Uh, because they're a little bit older, it, it notifies me, and I know when the door opens, and it sends me a little notification actually with a picture so I could see if they're bringing ho- uh, friends home or not. Um, I have a Nest. I've used that for, for quite some time. So ironically, I've never been a home automation guy, though. Like for all intents and purposes, it's been pretty um, out of my reach both in cost and complexity. And I've always been drawn mostly around computer electronics that that I love, that I enjoy, that I use all the time. And so from my own personal experience, it's kind of been, you know, noticing just the the problems that I'm experiencing that. They're all very segregated experiences. And one of the things that I can't wait for, I mean, we're working on, it's really fun. We have in our application, in the MobiePlug application, um, we have a a geofencing aspect of of our application to where... Uh, as I leave the office, I hit a certain radius, and it notifies that my thermostat has been turned up uh, to reach my comfort level. Not only that, but it's smart and intelligent in, in that that radius is actually expanding and contracting based on my proximity, based on weather services that it's tying into. So there is a level of cloud intelligence, if you will, that's guiding that. And as I get in line of sight to my home, my garage door opens, as well as um, which also I have the LiftMaster. Uh, garage door unit and uh, my lights uh, are also cloud connected. So when I, uh, you know, head up the up the driveway into my ports, those come on automatically, knowing my proximity. So and you've done that using the Mobi plug. That's right. That's really where we're heading. Right, is this next level of not just proactively opening up your phone, but because your phone knows some intelligence about where you are based on your GPS proximity. And it knows when you leave your local Wi-Fi network. So we could make some assumptions based on when it switchovers to GPS, some actions that we can take to save energy in the home or to lock it down. Um, or if you're going to sleep at night, so it can be timed. You know, So pretty fun stuff, I have to say. Are we early? Is everything working correctly out of the box? No, but we're proving to, the, to ourselves that, that it's right around the corner. It's really fun. Sure. And I guess to me... When I when I think about that, I think about I think I am very excited about the future of like home automation and making my life a little bit more comfortable and more easy. But I'm also excited about pulling services together to kind of offer things that 
that haven't been possible. So maybe I can tie in my electricity usage, you know, with my neighbors using like next door or something like that. And we can compete to see who uses the least amount of energy. Um, or like, I, I feel like there's things like that that could happen. Um, and I also, I think that when you put data online and you make it open, people will build like just amazing, crazy stuff with it. Kind of like if you give a kid a set of wooden blocks, they're probably going to do something neat, hopefully, um, with it. And it won't look like what their neighbor's doing, but it will still be cool. So I guess that that's kind of like, I'm super excited by this, but I'm also a little leery about things like having a home hub that, you know, is managing all of this when, you know, issues like privacy, issues of like being connected and being able to even access the crowd, cloud. So are you doing things with like graceful degradation to like make sure that the experience if my internet connection goes off is still, you know, livable. Yeah, no, you bring up a really good point. And it's funny because as you get deeper into developing this, a whole set of unique challenges rises. Um, you hit on a couple of points. One was about the openness of data um, and the openness of the developer community. From, from MobiPlug's perspective, we believe in openness. And as a matter of fact, I think most closed systems end up dying. And I think we're seeing some early stakes in the ground by manufacturers of, of providing a siloed system where, where they want to make it and then sell a subscription and just charge you that. But they're really willing to un, unwilling to share their APIs for other people to really create a more unified experience. But, but we believe ultimately that that'll go away because it, the, who suffers is the consumer. But with that... As you mentioned, there are both privacy, there's data, there's security risks, there's, uh, like you said, cloud connectivity. What if it goes down? What does that mean then? You know, and we revert back to, like you said, there's some degradation of, so minimal requirements of saying, yes, uh, maybe my geofencing might not work if I'm not cloud enabled, which would certainly make sense. But I can't get locked out of my house when I arrive there, right? So there has to be some fail-safe fallbacks that uh, we integrate. And... Um, you know, some of those are surfacing, absolutely. And um, so we're doing our best early in these days to say, how can we, how can we, A, keep the data safe, and B, how can we make sure that, so for instance, you know, our particular piece of hardware that it won't necessarily, it's not Ethernet connected, but it is Wi-Fi connected in your home. If that does go down, you could certainly fall back um, where if your LAN is up, then you could still unlock your doors and control the thermostat and do something remotely that it doesn't need to be cloud connected, you know, and uh, there are some fail safe systems that we are putting in, but there are unique challenges there and we can't certainly think of everything until we get it tested and, and I'm sure we're, you know, it's, it's, it's early still, like I said, the wild west. So we don't have all the answers yet, but we're confident that as we get more uses of it, then we'll be able to solve those or at least, you know, work together as a community to, to figure out how to creatively solve those. Awesome. Okay. And then let's see, MobiPlug, does it exist yet or is it, is it still in early beta stage, alpha stage? So we are heading into alpha in about a month. We uh, went to CES. Um, for the most part, MobiPlug is, has a landing page right now. Since we got our funding, we're generally describing what we do. 
um, on the internet. Um, but we are actually rebranding our company. So we have a brand new company name. We're going to unveil it in about a month. When we publicly come out, um, we're going to be uh, showing folks exactly what our solution entails. Um, we'll be in alpha here in the next four weeks with a summer launch or release uh, is our timeline. And um, so far, we have about 100 alpha customers that we're working with, and we're going to expand that. It's all private right now, but we'll become public in about four to six weeks. Okay, so like sometime in April, beginning of April? That's right. I mean, our general timeline is is to do a, a soft launch on our new website, new brand. Um, again, we're not going to be releasing and shipping product, but we're certainly coming out to the public saying, here's who we are, here's what we're solving, and you know, come and, come and check us out. Awesome. All right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for talking to me. It's my pleasure, Stacey, and, and uh, I love what you uh, have, have, have been writing about and that you're so fascinated with the Internet of Things and, and happy to be here with you today. Well, thanks. Yeah, I just, I just want my life to be easy and to never really have to leave the couch again. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, all right. Thank you so much for joining us. You bet. Take care now.